What is this? That would be lettuce. Lettuce? Lettuce? It's a vegetable cookie. The men need the four basic food groups. I got you four basic food groups. Beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. Started this top ten in a very PG thirteen area. Yeah, well, you know, we've reached a new darker age of Disney, mm-hmm, so why mm-hmm. can't we start it? Now, a- one would argue the dark age started with Fantasia two thousand. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. With a last glimmer and spark of hope with Emperor's New Groove, yeah, which is a fluke, which is a total <laughs> fluke. It was like, wait, that was that was a that, how, that should have failed for all yeah. intents and purposes. That one, uh, it's uh, that should have failed. That's yeah, weird. <laughs> So at what point does the show actually begin? The music's gone. The music's gone. We haven't even said anything. Hello, Interdwellers, and welcome back to the show. This is what happens when we're in the same room. Yes. (laughs) So TC and I are in the same space yet again. Yay, I was traveling. I was in the area. Yep, so he stopped in... the thing I am really sad, I really wish I was recording sooner. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> we did a really good, we always test our delay before every episode, because, you know, we're on opposite sides of the country, right. more or less. Right, right. You know, and we're thousands of miles apart, and it's internet, and it's technology, and there's delays. That's just <laughs> what happens. And we had a really great funny bit on testing our delay while TC was three feet away from me. You'll just have to imagine the goodness yep. of such a thing. Unfortunately... Jeff was not recording. Uh, which one's Jeff? Am I Jeff? You're Jeff. Because I'm Jeff. why would I talk in third person? That's silly, TC. So welcome back to the show, everybody. And uh, we're back here again. Yes. TC's over there. I'm Jeff. I did, This whole episode is just a wreck. We're off the rails. But I'm okay. But at least we're only 90 seconds into the yes. whole thing. So we're, it's not like it's, oh, we've been talking like this for an hour and a half. Well, we have. We just started recording 90 seconds. That is, that is true. We have been going for quite some time. And here I was worried we wouldn't have anything to talk about. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to, back to the Disney Top Shelf. No, the, the Top Shelf Disney Animation Studios Library. About time somebody else messes there up we go. this title. <laughs> we, where we are watching the entire library of films, starting with Snow White, leading all the way up to currently Moana. Yep. But there'll be more. There will be more. There will be more. And as we've said before in the past, the show will never quite end. We'll just come back and record another yeah. episode when there's another <laughs> Disney movie. Uh, but we have, we've moved into our fourth. So this is our, this is our fifth, fifth list. Fifth, math. Yes, math. I know, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's 41 movies, but this is the start of the fifth list. Right. So. Of, of uh, the block of 10. We've been blocking the movies in 10s. Yep. To um, rank them because it would be easier to rank them that way instead of having to rank fifty six fifty six movies. Which Somebody's doing it. One of the one of the listeners did message on either Facebook or tweeted us that they are taking on the monumental task of <laughs> of ranking one through fifty six. I don't know how you can do it. I don't know how you can do it. I mean, I'll, I'll gladly give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Like once we've reached the end of this, maybe yeah. before our final episode, I'll look through them and see can I rank these at all. Like I, I feel well, like what about a top ten. I like, think I think we could do a top ten because I, I think that's what Lindsay and I did for the AFI podcast. Just was, to pick your ten favorite, right? We went yes, we did because that was a hundred movies, and yeah. we're like we can't rank a hundred <laughs> films. So AFI I think, could do that, but we can't. Yeah, but we can't. We don't have. Ain't nobody got time for that. That's not part of the AFI Film Institute. So if we do top ten, should we just do our top ten favorites? Or are we going to rank our number ones against each other? I think we're ranking our number ones against each other. Okay. That makes more sense because otherwise, why are we having the number ones? Then, then we will allow ourselves what 
56, 78, three honorable mentions. That works. There you go. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I like how this works. There you go. <laughs> I like it. Well, so this week, um, in case for those of you who often do just play the podcast without ever looking at a title. It's a very bad habit. It's a should. very, very bad habit. And since I stopped using the quotes in the beginning, so you can't even guess what this movie is before I get to <laughs> saying it, uh, we have come back for number 41, which is the 2000, oh my goodness, 2001 movie, mm-hmm. Atlantis. The, the Lost, Lost Empire, Empire, which for the longest time I thought was The Last Empire. Oh, yeah. And I got super confused. <laughs> You're looking for it. Where is it? Yeah, I'm, I'm like, it's, it's The Last Empire. And even like while watching part of this film, I'm like, if it's The Last Empire, why are there humans? Because then they shouldn't just... No, it there's, didn't make any there's sense. There's 14 Final Fantasies, so don't Does worry about it. it. <laughs> oh, so much. So... Uh, you had not seen this before. I had not seen this This was film. a first time for you. So here's the thing with this movie. I know I had said that I had not seen it, but as like at the end of last week's episode, when I was looking through the cast list, there was a moment in my head where I had confused this movie with Titan AE. Oh, oh no, no, mistake. sorry, sorry, um, uh, 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 Treasure Planet. Oh, okay. That's right. the movie that I confused it with, not Titan AE, mm-hmm. Treasure Planet. And when I was thinking, I'm like, Michael J. Fox and Jim Farney, yeah, that's Treasure Planet, right? right like, isn't yeah. that what this is? <laughs> oh, I, I thought they went in space, but well, maybe it was Atlantis. And I was just, I didn't quite, wasn't paying attention yeah. until this movie had started. And I went, oh, this is, no, <laughs> Treasure Planet's a very different movie. I, so I'm so an, I'm had you seen Atlantis? No. Okay. There is a connection between Atlantis and, and Titan AE. Really? Yes. You inadvertently connected the two movies by the man who wrote the, came up with the story. Not the scripts, because the screenwriters for uh, Atlantis here are three different fellows. Mm-hmm. But the man credited with the story, and also the screenwriter of Titan A.E., yeah. Mr. Joss Whedon. Oh, that's, <laughs> he did do Titan that's A.E., right. didn't yep. he? Um, which, was a, which was a Fox property, which shut down Fox Animation Studios for how poorly it did. <laughs> <laughs> which just goes to show, don't let Joss Whedon... Right, your animated there films. There you go. That's what you get. That's Although he, so he just came up with the story for Atlantis, the Lost Empire. So no preconceived notions. No, Did you no remember ideas. like maybe even the marketing campaign for this? This is one of those movies that I, I have no memory of this one. Uh, as much as I remember Emperor's New Groove, like seeing the posters for it, Atlantis, I, I maybe I've seen a poster in passing. Right. But I had no idea what happened in this. I didn't know. I didn't know any of the voice actors outside of I knew Jim Varney did the voice. Mm. Jim Varney, who plays, who I cookie. know as oh. at what? He, well, he cookie he in plays Atlantis, Cookie in Atlantis. No I, I know him as Ernest B. <laughs> Worrell. I can't help it. This actually was the last thing he did before he died, and he did not complete the voice. Oh. Uh, some of the bunch of the was lines. it Jim Cummings? <laughs> it was not. It wasn't because that was my first thought. I'm like, oh, it's probably Jim Cummings that completed his voice, or it's the same guy. I mean, my thought. I'm like, oh, it's the same guy who completed the thought of. <laughs> sorry, uh, I put a spike in there. <laughs> sorry, guys, that spike was TC's phone. I dropped my phone. <laughs> um, no, uh, um, his friend, because uh, he didn't complete Slinky Dog oh, for okay. Toy Story two and three, because he does the voice of Slinky Dog yeah. in the first one. Maybe part of this oh, that came out in '99, so he did the second one, but he never did it for part three. And it's because his friend, who, if you've seen this guy, you've seen him on TV shows. I think he was on Home Improvement back in the day. Oh yeah, was no, like, exactly. What you're was like about. one of his like really raspy voice yeah. type thing. That was uh, one he, of he owned the hardware store. Yes, on, uh, on uh, Home Improvement. On Home Improvement, it's that actor. <laughs> He was really good friends with Jim Varney, and he stepped in, not in this movie, but he did for Toy Story, yeah. and he does the voice of Slinky Dog nowadays. I assumed it was him for this movie, and then that scene came, and because I know Jim Varney's voice, mm. I'm like, that's 
and that's one of my notes even. I was like, that's not Jim Varney. Aww. These last like handful of lines by Cookie, I'm like, that's not him. I, Who's that? I hate to disparage the man because I love, I, I've, I bonded with uh, over comedy uh, with my father growing up and Ernest was definitely one of those things he my dad would always say know what I mean Vern like he'd say that all the time uh, eat bumper booger lips like yeah. all that I couldn't help but just hear Larry the Cable Guy which is I'm such sorry. a did you know shame. I was going for that did you know that's where I was leading up to no I didn't I'm I sorry didn't. to say it but like listening to Cookie Talk I was like oh boy ooh. that that character ooh. that character had Atlantis come out ten, five years later would have been Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It honestly would have been Larry the Cable Guy because it's such a character that it's like, it's like, oh, you need that gravelly, very weirdly, you know, prospector. He'd be Mater, voice. I guess. I don't know. It but would be Mater. You know what? We're this is so far off topic of this movie itself. Okay, we we have been once again ramping up to the era we're going into. We've done right. this previously throughout the the show where as we're nearing the Renaissance, we couldn't help but talk about the Renaissance as we made our way through the original Dark Ages. We kept referencing the other ages to come. Right. We've been talking about this new Dark Age that's coming. And I was I'm kind of surprised because now it's not fair to compare this to the movies in the last grouping. Like we were not going to rank them against the movies right. in the last grouping. In, in the, the the ones in the the actual Renaissance or like yeah. the last the like last dinosaur and emperor's okay. new groove. Yep. I, I'm calling those dark age movies, even though they're in the last. This one was better than I remembered it. I'd only ever seen this movie once before. Okay. And in my initial rewatching of these years ago, I'd never seen it, and in watching it the first time, I was very. I enjoyed it. It was an adventure film, and adventure films in in a in a in a type of adventure films that they don't make a lot of. Right. This is this is a very different movie for Disney. It's a very. I felt like this was a very adult animated movie too. Yeah, it, it still had its goofy, silly comedy. A lot of right. pratfalls and 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 oh, maybe one too many one liners from characters, but just the first time Helga shows up on the screen and she's this sexy smoky vixen with right. her the strap of her dress falling down she looks like a ralph bakshi uh a cool world would be an example or right of of a far more adult almost verging into anime right style um it, it it felt very noirish her appearance and i'm sure obviously that that's what they were probably going mm-hmm. for yeah and I, I get like that kind of that like detective era appearance almost like her character wasn't supposed to be in this movie. It felt a, a little, way, yeah. it felt like a little like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, yeah. where it's like you don't belong in this type of Jessica. movie. Yeah, but it's a it's an adventure movie. It's a it's like in, it's Indiana Jones for years. Yeah. When this first came out, and I was aware of it without seeing it, I I had heard or I made it up in my young head that this started as Indiana Jones four. And then they just adapted it to the screen for, to be a Disney movie, which would be very fitting. I could see Indiana yeah. Jones in the place of Michael J. Fox's character, uh, M- uh, Milo. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is not. If anyone else has ever heard that rumor, it is false. It's it was, but it oh, was nice. made as an homage to Raiders of the Lost Ark, even going so far as, and I know this is more in in your realm, that it's a seventy millimeter film. Though it's an anamorphic widescreen. I was gonna say it's we're back into like the super widescreen uh, version of these movies. Yeah. Like, it's the widest, like they, to film that wide. It's a, it's an old school method of 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 cinema, and it and it does have a lot of oh man, that totally makes sense because they heavily use wipes 
and star wipes mm-hmm. and circle in and outs like like not necessarily Indiana Jones but like Star Wars like the original Star Wars yeah. do which was which is a holdover from the old serials of the 1940s mm-hmm. uh, especially during that entire montage <laughs> when they're traveling the travel montage when the travel montage <laughs> which just felt like wipe wipe in iris in iris out scro- <laughs> like crosses all like it was just constant transitions happening during that entire sequence and it makes sense I didn't. I hadn't. I didn't read much into. I didn't read much about this film mm-hmm. uh, this time around, like I usually do. But I just didn't for this one. But that makes sense. That it was kind of an homage to that type of film, to Raiders and that style. It does. It does. Oh man, that. <laughs> it's. I so almost it's, need to watch it again now. <laughs> now with that in mind. Well, to continue ta- discussing style, so uh, uh, ref- the filmmaker directors themselves used Raiders: of The Lost Ark as their. Uh, sort of North Star when creating this, but it's uh, heavily influenced by Jules Verne's work okay. during To the Center of the Earth. Yes. Um, and they wanted to make something that Walt would have done because the live action style movies that Walt made were something like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea with uh, Mike Douglas. Right. Uh, or Kirk Douglas, sorry. Kirk Douglas. Kirk Douglas back um, then, yeah. <laughs> and um, I, I'd wail of a tale to tell you, lad, away of a tale or two. <laughs> that song. <laughs> Um, so it's a lot of old school adventure serials, Raiders Lost Ark, Jules Verne, um, in terms of scripts and what style of genre this is. There's another stylistic reference I'll get to in a minute, but mm-hmm. you, you were going to chime in with something? No, yeah. the you, you bringing up the fact that it felt like a Jules Verne story, it was funny. I was actually talking to somebody earlier today. Uh, Andrew, I know you listen to the podcast. I was talking to Andrew. <laughs> Hi, Andrew. One of our, one for of our listeners, you know, TC knows Andrew just from, yeah, I, I work with Andrew. Um, but I do know, uh, he and I were kind of briefly talking about this and I told him that exact thing that I'm like, it felt like, like, a you know, like, like a, like a journey to the center of the earth. Like mm-hmm. it felt like, cause I remember watching the ones from, or the one from what, not the rock one. But the one from the fifties or the sixties with the stop motion animation, yes. yeah. Like I remember watching for the that. creatures, not the humans. <laughs> yeah, the humans were really weird. Creatures were real. Humans were stop motion. It's a strange <laughs> so, choice. What a weird choice. Yeah, uh, but no, like I remember watching those when I was younger, and just I never really enjoyed them, but I always would watch them. But I don't remember why. But this movie felt very familiar in the sense of like, okay, so the first third kind of is is like above ground it's preparing this the story they're getting everybody together and then them going underground Mm -hmm. and it's this it almost feels like a completely different film once they get underground because they experience this other culture and then there's a whole new storyline that comes out of being underground Mm -hmm. that they then have to that that, that we shift focus on and it it, it's 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 man you know i almost wonder had i known that that it was a throwback. That there was a throwback film. I would have watched the movie very differently. I mm-hmm. think at that point because I I felt <laughs> and this is kind of just getting into our, our general thoughts or our, our our theories or feelings about the film a little bit for me. But like watching it, I was like, this seems so weirdly out of place because it doesn't feel anything like the Disney movies that we had previously oh, watched. No, no, and and that's that's what I was I was getting to when I was talking about this being the beginning or in the early stages of this second dark age where we are dealing with, I think that's a misnomer because I was expecting to come into, into this movie, having only seen it the one time Mm -hmm. being a a bit more critical of it. I'm certainly going to be critical about it, but it's, it's such a, it's a, it's a brave choice to, to make this movie. It is so, these are the directors of, uh, 
Hunchback and Notre Dame and Beauty and the Beast, and they didn't want to do a musical. They wanted to make an action-adventure movie, which right. Disney had never done before. This yeah. this movie stands out. It has a high body count. Yes. They, they kill so a lot of people. So many people die. I mean, somebody died, somebody died on the, 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 the Nautilus ripoff ship. Like, yeah. When it explodes, and they're, they're like... They're blowing people up left and right. It's like 230 people on that boat, and there was like... 20 left and there's then... a gunfight there's a it's the explosive climax of the film yeah. like it's it this is not, a very different film not to include the fact that at the beginning when atlantis gets destroyed and there are people trapped outside of the protective bubble yeah. that all get killed yeah. <laughs> my first note was they like the majority of that city just died in that tidal wave and i'm like holy cow what a sweet <laughs> way to start your movie disney it's it's and that's a credit to them to take a risk like that because we've we've seen, especially in our rewatch of these, how a lot of those risks don't pay off, and the effects of of those risks failing is going to ripple into the movies we see coming out of this. Right. Uh, so much so that what we'll watch next week has a lot to do with this movie. <coughs> um, not to jump ahead to next week, but uh, I was impressed this time around by this brave choice for them to make a movie like this because mm-hmm. because of the advent of all CG. Toy Story had come, yeah. right? We had entered the era of the fully CG movies. Audiences were kind of over 2D hand-drawn stuff, right. which is a shame. I Anyone who's listened to the show enough times knows I love that era of filmmaking. I love the hand-drawn stuff because there's more to it. And, and meanwhile, this, meanwhile, I'm torn because I went to school to do <laughs> 3D animation. Like that's my college degree is in 3D animation. (laughs) So I could work at Pixar. That would have been awesome. That would have been awesome. Um, I actually, can I, I don't know if this sounds like, I mean, it's one of my highlights of my life. When I moved to California, I interviewed at Disney Animation Studios. Really? Like I, a friend of a friend got me an interview during the writer's strike when they weren't hiring. And I came in with my portfolio and, and got, it was for the DVD, straight to DVD department. Yeah, but hey. But to be on the lot and walk around and like, oh my God, it was so, a dream come so, true. So TC, what you're saying is, is, had you gotten that job, you would have a very different opinion on directed DVD sequels to all these Disney movies. I is think, that what you're saying? I think I would. Guys, we just cracked why TC hates the directed DVD sequels. <laughs> is that it? Guys, it took us 41 episodes, but we figured out why TC does not like the directed DVD sequels. It's because they didn't it's, hire him. I've been on the animation studios back a lot. It was all subconscious. How did it? Okay, look. <laughs> Backing up here. Back up. Stylistically, to do yeah. this this action adventure, this adventure film. I mean, not not. It does have action in it, but uh, well, um, did you see the what the shirts were for the for the crew? No, I didn't see. Uh, less music, more explosions. <laughs> Which for the crew, the crew, the crew who made the movie, right? The crew who made who made Atlantis. It made Atlantis. The okay. animation team, not the crew in the movie. Okay, I wanted. I just wanted to clarify. I, yeah, okay, okay. Yep. Now, uh, before we go any further, it's very worth mentioning, especially because I'm talking about these brave choices they've made. Disney approached a comic book illustrator for this film. Uh, Mike Mignola, the... Hellboy guy, right? Hellboy guy, oh, okay. yes. The, the writer, writer, illustrator, the creator of the Hellboy series, was approached by Disney unprompted. They came to him because they wanted a comic book look to this movie. And someone in that higher echelon of uh, of of power uh, positions, right, made the, like, we need to contact the guy who does Hellboy. So he did all the designs for the vehicles and all the main characters. Which, with that in mind, I can see because he has, he's got a very unique style. I don't know how many people out there have 
have read the Hellboy comics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know they're popular. Yeah. I've seen plenty of drawings of that that he's you know from the panels, and it's a very very unique it's, style. Yeah, it's and, it's steampunky uh, without being obnoxious, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like it's that like nice calm steampunk yeah. as opposed to very, over the top uh, angular lines. Right. Uh, there's a great little anecdote I found about uh, when Mike Mignola saw the movie. He was sitting next to his friend, and he leaned over to his friend and said, "Wow, look at those hands!" <laughs> and like if you if you look at the movie, you'll see how blacky. Right. The limbs are, everything is very angular, blacky. And his friend leaned over and goes, yeah, it's because they're your hands. <laughs> and his friend worked on the illustration, on uh, the production. He's like, yeah, that, so your hands. And he's like, what? He's like, yeah, we had a whole meeting about it. It was really strange. Like, <laughs> it's one of the weirdest experiences in my life. A whole day spent discussing how to draw and illustrate your hands. <laughs> and he's like, oh, that must be why I like this movie. So, But yeah, he, he designed the look of this film, which... We talked about this with uh, Emperor's New Groove being mm-hmm. a very unique film overall. Right. As far as looks are concerned, I think Milo aside, this is one of the most unique looking Disney animated films. Right. Unique looking, but at the same time, you still buy that it's it's like, oh, that's that's what Disney characters look like. Because Disney characters kind of have... That's why I said Milo aside, because Milo looks very Disney. Actually... Kita looks pretty Disney as well. They do, however, a couple times while watching it, and I don't know if it was the tone, I don't know if it was the 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 color palette or just the, the lighting that they did into it. There was definitely moments in this movie where it felt like a Don Bluth film. Oh, certainly. It, and I think Helga played a large part in that as right. well. That darker tone, like I, I also think it was the, I think it was just the general, the broad tone of the movie being... You know, like you like you know, like their motto being "no musicals, more explosions." Mm-hmm. That more darker. I don't want to be like gritty because that's it's overused. But that kind of that, that that tone, that tonal difference that we coming off of Emperor's New Groove, this is a completely different direction. Oh yeah, and it's it, it, like one of the biggest pendulum swings we've yeah. seen from movie to movie. <laughs> we went from over the top, silly, goofy, comedy, and a comedy yeah. bright colored comedy to this dark action movie where people die yeah. a lot and yeah but that was my that was my, my my first main thought was I'm like it reminds me of like A Land Before Time like The Black Cauldron like it feels not that I don't, I don't want to compare it to The Black Cauldron but it feels <laughs> closer to that world tonally oh certainly than there's, the last handful of films there's but no, still kind of feels Disney uh, yeah like the the kid friendliness of this movie is pretty minimal. The uh, there's a lot of like wackiness in some of the physicality, especially in Milo or the the old guy who sends him on his mission. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very physical and goofy. And like the first yeah, because like the first fifteen minutes come off very physical humory. Yeah. When when Milo's giving his speech to what you think is a room full of people, but they're actually just like brooms, brooms and, yeah. and stuff. <laughs> his his action on like the dry erase board or not the sorry the chalkboard. chalkboard yeah. I'm sorry. It's 1914. Dry oh erase doesn't exist yet. <laughs> Man, I grew up with chalkboards. I can't believe I said dry erase board. Uh, what a world we live in, TC. Mm-hmm. It's the future. Um, <laughs> the future is just. Race boards. <laughs> There's just <laughs> nothing there. No, the like that whole thing, and then yeah, that old man that gives him the it, it all that felt goofy. That felt not the character goofy. <laughs> I have always to have to specify every time. <laughs> Even though there's never been a question about what I mean, mm-hmm. no, it felt it feels it felt sillier. It felt more like the '90s animated films, yeah, yeah. where serious moments, but then kind of physically goofy moments. I actually wrote down a joke that made me laugh out loud, which was uh, 
so the the old guy who's recruiting Milo, mm-hmm. he's like, I got it all taken care of. You quit your job today. I did? Yeah, you put in your ledger recognition, got that. Uh, what about my house? Sold it. Yeah, what about my cat? Meow. <laughs> yes. I like laughed out loud. I'm yes. like, that's funny because it's so nonsensical. <laughs> but like, it's, it's like, wait a minute. Like, how, First off, where was this cat up until this point? And also that cat's got fantastic timing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great little joke. Meow. <laughs> I did like because I, I, I know we've we've been talking more about the tonal like mm-hmm. the tone quality and stuff like that. Um, I did like uh, uh, Cookie when he says what the, he's got like he's got the four basic food groups. Yeah, hey, I got the four basic food groups and right here: beans, bacon, whiskey, and lard. And I went, <laughs> I kind of want that on a shirt because <laughs> that's. I want, or I want like I want like a I want like a piece of artwork I can hang in my kitchen that mm-hmm. says the four basic food groups are just beans, beans bacon, bacon, whiskey, and lard. <laughs> I would do I would swap out lard for butter, but I digress. It would be that basically. <laughs> it's and see that's where I'm kind of torn because I felt we've talked about this before tonal inconsistency. Yes, and I won't say this is a dynamically wild inconsistency, but there's a little too much jokiness from too many characters mm-hmm. like every character has to have some silliness about them right and and that kind of watered down any of the effectiveness of any of those jokes overall like uh who is it, is it tress mcneely who does the uh the 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 operator it's the old age it's not tress mcneely it's um, um she uh, played the waitress uh, in emperor's uh, new groove For, uh florence stanley yeah, uh, yes yeah. right like she had some great Gags with her being like, right. oh, "Let me have to, I have to call you back." You know, whoever took the L off of the uh, motor pool, very funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then those of, are great. Those are great. And then of course, anytime because I, this is just all I know. Um, uh, Vinny, uh, the one that the that the, uh, the bomb uh, expert, Father could uh, Father could uh, Father Gucci or Father, Gucci. Father Gucci. Like, <laughs> come on, like. I swear, Scarducci. I, I know what you mean. It's, he's an SNL or an SCTV. Um, Father Guido Sarducci. There he is. Guido Sarducci. I had, I had to look it up. I had to look it up. It's like, which, first off, anybody our age not entirely going to get who that is? No way. Like, I honestly, the only reason that I would know him just immediately off the head, off the top of my head, is he's got that blink and you miss it cameo in Casper. Yeah, Casper playing <laughs> Father Guido yeah. Seducci. Well, you're which gonna is have to get yourself an exorcist. <laughs> he's a piece of cake. He's a piece of crumb cake, actually. <laughs> But I'm like that man only ever does that, and I, 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 I don't know if that's his actual voice or if that's just the character, character voice, voice he always puts on. Either way, I agree that those it's, and that <laughs> that's tonal consistency. That's what threw me off the most about this film was because they're introducing first off a crap ton of characters mm-hmm. for this. There's a lot of different characters. That's, that's Jess Whedon showing through right there. He 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 made Firefly. I swear there was a moment watching this where I went, These, this is the cast of Firefly. Yeah. You have the female mechanic. Who's a teenager. Who's a teenager. Yep. You have like a, you have a, a muscle, bomb, like a big muscle bound like arms guy. Mm-hmm. You have, you have a, uh, not necessarily a bomb, bombs expert, but then like watching it just, there was like this moment where after they introduced, they were all standing there and I went, this is freaking the cast of Firefly. <laughs> In, well, and then he works. Yeah. He worked that out again in Alien Resurrection because that cast is also Firefly. That is, he was very just working true. the kinks out to get up to Firefly. To get up to Firefly, <laughs> but like the 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 whole jokiness is fine, and I like. I, I was okay with it when mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so this is going to be a kind of a lighthearted action film. Okay, the point that I was like, what is happening is when we 
is the turning point, is the seemingly 180 turning point where they all seem to be bad guys. The now. bad guys. It starts with Rourke, who plays the, the, the main villain. Right. He's he's the villain, and Helga's the heavy, if you want to go off of Indiana Jones terms. Right. Um, or she's the muscle, right? Uh, his enforcer. The, the first time I watched this, that turn came out of nowhere. And I never saw it. I, so, I, I yes, was like, I, I what the crap you, is this? Wait. There's no indication that they are going to be villainous. Right. Uh, I ass- I kind of assume like 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 Rourke and Helga I could I could be like okay that seemed a little abrupt but all right you're the bad guy you're obviously the bad guy yeah. and that's your henchman okay fine like I would have been okay with that because they were always the straight laced character yeah so in my head the straight laced character becoming a bad guy okay fine yes I I can believe that but when we've spent so much time learning like personal stories and there's goofy moments of these characters and they all decide oh no we're in for the money yeah and then it's that camera turn around and they're all just standing there all serious and stone face i'm like no what this is like a different movie very abrupt did i miss like a scene that explained that these were all bad guys yes you did the original length of the script was 120 pages so there was more to it there was more to it they cut down all the other characters' stories to focus strictly on Milo and to speed up the pace of the film. Now, part of me wonders if they did this. This this will happen. Uh, it happened of, of recently of recording this to Justice League. Make the movie as short as you can so you can play it as many times as you can right. because you know you have a problem film, right? And uh, so my, my, my thought is that perhaps... They did have that longer film in its earlier stages, and they realized it wasn't as strong as they wanted. Maybe it would be better to make it shorter. Um, I don't think it suffers like other movies that are cut down too much, but I'm glad you had the same experience. Glad is the wrong word, but you had the same experience I did the first time I'm glad that it wasn't something I missed. (laughs) I'm glad you're pointing out the fact that, like, no, no, no. There is something cut yeah. because I was honestly for a split second there going <laughs> did, like I know I was on my laptop writing notes and working and looking up research and stuff yeah. on it, but I'm like I didn't think I missed something that would have shown that these guys were bad. Because, <laughs> like where's this come from? Yeah, like ten minutes ago they're all laying around the campfire like joking around and and Father Guido, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm just gonna call him that but, Father Guido talking about like he he what is it he wanted to own a flower shop or he, something like he that. He his family owned a flower shop and next door blew up and that's his calling to make bombs right i'm like okay i'm like i i'm like yeah that's i mean it's the fact that it blew up that's kind of sad and serious yeah. but it's funny it's like oh that was his calling to make bombs and i'm like oh okay you're, you're you're all entertaining plus the the guy that just likes to dig was only ever seeming like a crazy goofy Man, yeah please. crazy goofy guy when he's popping around when they're trying to find the person to do the job and he keeps like popping up from the bottom mm. of the screen like being like i'll do it i'll do it i'll go talk to her yes, i like, will do it I'm i will like, do it that's kind of funny oh, suck my blue. <laughs> The, and and as said, there there's some enjoyable there is something enjoyable about of those uh, one-liners and the people constantly having something funny to say, like uh, Father Father uh, Father Guido. Father Guido says, uh, <laughs> "Vinny again uh, is his character." Uh, what, do, what do I got? I got the uh, office supplies, paper clips, real big ones. <laughs> <laughs> like it's funny, and I'm, it, I would almost bet he improved it. Yep, yep. <laughs> but you mentioned them giving their backstories. There's unfortunately a lot of telling not showing in this movie of 
Now tell me your backstory. Yeah. Thank you for your monologue. Now tell me your backstory. Yeah. Thank you for okay. So your father wanted sons, and now he got daughters, and your sister's a heavyweight champ, and you're a mechanic, and okay, cool. Now what's your okay? So sweet, who actually is uh, father was married to a Native American Indian, which was kind of neat. Like all really neat backstories. Right. Everyone, what's Mole's deal? Don't ask. <laughs> don't tell him. You told me. I wish you had. So just don't <laughs> tell him. Don't ask. Like everyone's backstory at least of that core group, right. was a good backstory, but they just prattled it out in three minutes. Which really does lend the creed, uh, the led credence to that concept that they probably had their own scenes and they cut them and they went, well, we just, we need them, we need to exp- just explain their backstories so we don't lose it entirely. Yeah. It almost felt like, do we do we need to know anything about these characters? Well, yeah, we kind of do, just so you can relate to them. Otherwise, they're just faceless goons at this point. So, well, we have to have them say something. So we'll just write this scene where they're all sitting around, they're all talking about their backstories. Okay, great. Well, yeah, but it's, it's all exposition at that point. It's, it's a shame because this is, I think, the most multicultural cast we've had yet. We have uh, uh, black characters, Latino characters, Italian characters. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, uh, and like the ambiguous otherworldly um, non-Caucasian Atlanteans which we haven't even gotten to the Atlanteans yet because right. we're on the journey there <laughs> we're on the journey there <laughs> um, and it's a, it's a shame that this couldn't be a little stronger of a film for having such a very dynamically uh, multicultural cast I really liked that about this mm-hmm. film because there's a lot of representation happening up there um, it's just unfortunate how they breeze through a lot of this film. Right. It was an ambitious, it was very ambitious of them to, to take on this genre. Um, as I said before, this style of adventure film is rare. Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean is an adventure film. That's it. That's right. all it is. It's not, y- yes, it's funny. Yes, it's got some drama. Yes, it's got some, you call them horror elements, but it is straight up an adventure movie. Right. And... Uh, John Carter of Mars. Sure, okay, I guess you could kind of say it's a sci-fi movie, but no, that's a straight-up adventure movie based on an adventure serial book. Um, and Atlantis here is an adventure film, and that's rare in this library and just in films in and general. just in film generals to be basically a genre. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Adventure. Right. So, and it's strange that it's so rare, but it might not be strange because it's I, it's hard to pull off. Yes. Especially if you think of something like the the Marvel Cinematic Universe now, they mix genres. It's a superhero film, but it's also a spy thriller right. or a tech uh, sci-fi. Uh, you have space adventure. Like the first Guardians is like really close to being an adventure movie, but it's also sci-fi because you got spaceships and aliens. Right. And and just to show how hard it is, I mean, look at look at Pirates of the Caribbean. You're you're a great example of a great of 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 a brilliant adventure film. That first Pirates of the Caribbean is a really good film. Oh, it's a great, it's a yes. fun film. We I couldn't tell you for those of you out there who are my friends who were with me the summer that that came out and the following year. You know how many times we'd watched that movie. Like we'd go to a friend's house every weekend and just it'd be on. We're like, all right, we're just gonna put that on. And we watched it. We saw it in theaters like six times. It's because it it's per, it perfectly captures that genre. Yep. And and then you get the sequel. Yeah. Well, Any of the sequels. <laughs> I know we don't have time to talk about. It. But then you get the sequels where it's just like, what this is. Guys, oh, you failed. You, you failed. But the first one being so good, mm-hmm. and I agree. This genre is not an easy genre to hit. I would I would personally love to make an like an adventure movie. Yeah. But I 
am so intimidated by the scope of what that project needs to be or what that story needs to be mm-hmm. that that's why there's a part of me that's a little torn about this because I'm like, well, if, if that's what this is supposed to be, well, they, they nailed it to a degree, but then there was definitely parts where they failed at it. And I'm like, I wish they could have done better. They but didn't. I, I feel like they didn't commit fully. I would have liked that two-hour movie. Yeah. I, I feel like there's enough stylistically and tonally and there's potential in the characters that that first version of the script that they potential that they could have made, which mm-hmm. was going to be more events leading up to Atlantis, mm-hmm. like the Leviathan when they go against that big giant CG robot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a machine. Um, and and now I guess when it comes down to it is like, well, remember the audience of this film right. is supposed to be kids. <laughs> you know, maybe this one being geared more, a little more towards young adults like maybe because this is 2001, so maybe trying to actually maybe trying to hit my age group of kids who were coming out of the Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and Little Mermaid, who we were little kids when those came out, and now we're in high school and we're you know maybe 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 upper middle school. I was 2001. I was sophomore in high school or junior in high school, but like maybe being a little like now we're older. So we want a little more adult mature film to watch. We yeah. don't want to watch a, a kiddie film anymore. Well, what was the body count? I mean, I know murder, the killing in this, the murder in this, the, the deaths in this and also having, okay. I often use Disney movies in this library as an example of this is a great gateway to, right. Right. Yep. I think I could credit this as a potentially, potentially, a gateway to anime because okay. anime traditional japanese uh uh anime animation tend to be a little darker films you can get there was like i mean rated r style when you look at like ninja scroll and akira and some really heavy duty uh, uh cinema right, right. Um, and but it's animated so it's this weird it's so quick for some people to just write animation off for kids now atlantis certainly doesn't go into the blood and gore and the yeah. sexiness of certain animes. It's a very clean, it's a, it's all clean deaths. Yeah, the, there's, there is a little blood on Milo when he gets his little uh, scratch on his shoulder that Kida heals for him. But that's his blood. Right, yeah. You're not, you're, um, but I think that this potentially could be a gateway into that uh, style of film, perhaps, in terms of like more serious animation. I mean, uh, I could be wrong. It's just it just seems to me this would be the kind of movie be like, oh, did you like the action yeah. of this? Did you like the more adult nature of this? This wasn't your kids' movie, right? This felt well. Let's move you over here and try to get in your Cowboy Bebop or Trigun or right because it, and I mean the yeah the animation style was the right direction. This the the tonal quality would be more yeah along those lines. Maybe it's still a little goofy, but that's because Disney. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it's necessarily a great introduction into that style, but it might be a more comfortable one than just dropping someone straight into Japanese animation because there is a distinct cultural difference between American animation and oh, yeah. Asian animation. Oh, very much so. <laughs> like, don't go into this thinking that it's just going to be yeah. an easy switch. <laughs> you know, before someone says it, because I feel like somebody would jump in on this, I'm going to beat you to the comments. I'm talking in terms of action and adult content. <laughs> Because the 100% actual way to get someone into anime yeah. is Studio Ghibli. <laughs> Anything by Hayao Miyazaki. True. He is the Japanese Walt Disney. 
100%. If, if they had more films in that library, that would be our next podcast because <laughs> those movies are breathtaking. <laughs> so for those seven of you that were already writing it in the comments what about section. Because <laughs> you can't wait till the end of an episode to make your comments. Go ahead and um, just delete that message right now. <laughs> no, keep deleting it. No, don't try writing it anyways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> um, I do want to... Um, so we should we should probably briefly talk about Atlantis since we kind of oh, yeah, haven't we, talked about... Oh, yeah. Let's get there. Let's get there. We talk, we've met Kita in the opening. Now we've gotten back to her. We've, we've arrived at, at, at Atlantis where Leonard Neboy... Hiding out as uh, Spock. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, just, he's just hiding. <laughs> this, is, cool. this is what Spock was doing when he was recharging his life after the end <laughs> of uh, Wrath of Khan. Uh, so <laughs> I'm, shake, I'm shaking my head. There's like three Trekkies out there that are like, no, he wasn't, you mm-hmm. idiot. Mm-hmm. I know what he was doing. I am also partially a Trekkie. Okay. So- you know, Jeff, <laughs> there was another Star Trek connection in this film. You probably don't know this. Mark Ackland is the guy who created the Klingon and Vulcan language. Did he do the Atlantic? He, he created the Atlantean, Atlantean? Atlantean language as Which, well. So there's the thing. I liked that point. I liked that the Atlanteans did not speak English. They spoke they Atlantean. Spoke, they spoke Atlantean. They spoke all language of their own. I liked that it opened with subtitles. Have we had a Disney animated film with subtitles? No. Uh, no, I don't think not so. Not like this, right? Because anything has been... Because even way back in like Saludos Amigos, Three Amigos, like they spoke Spanish, but then, or, they, translated but then they translated it themselves. Yeah. That I, I don't remember there being a character that spoke only in a language that had subtitles before. So that opening sequence kind of threw me off for a like, little bit. Oh. I'm like, oh, there's there's subtitles. I gotta read. This. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is this crap? I don't want to write. Read my. I watch Disney to be just. Entertain my eye entertain holes. Entertain me. Entertain my vision holes. <laughs> um, that sounds. Anyways, so <laughs> the, the uh, like I liked that I liked that it had a language and I liked that it 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 sounded like uh, well I know the one scene when um, when Mi- uh, when Milo when Milo was trying to speak to speak to her mm, I Kita, think, right yeah, yeah. and like uh, like They're he's trying some... he try, he speaks like he tries speaking like Latin and Spanish and French and he and they understood French right. So, yeah, like this is my this is my language. They speak my language. (laughs) So, like I, so which I'm assuming that they probably made he probably made the Atlantean language like a hybrid of of all of those languages. There is a belief um, in terms of Atlantean mythology that Atlantis was the beginning of civilization, and all civilizations broke off from Atlantis, including a core language. And so Mark Ackland, I believe I'm saying his name correctly, built a language on Mesopotamian languages and uh, East Asian languages, India, um, Southern European. He built the language around that and went so far as to build the text for it as well. Right. Which I, I could be wrong, but I believe Milo read it left to right, right to left, left to right, right. right. Like he flowed through it. That I did read. That part of it I did read. Okay. That, that Yes, that's, that's how they wrote okay. it. I, it was meant to be read left <laughs> to right, down the next line, and then right to left, okay. and then down the next so. line, because it was, it was supposed to be a reflection. This is like one of the few pieces of trivia I read for it, uh, or of just backstory, because it was meant to be like a reflection of like the wavy water-esque Flowing flow back and forth. of okay, the cool. Atlanteans. All right, sharp eyes right sharp here. Sharp eyes right there, because <laughs> I did not see that. I read that as a trivia fact. Oh, nice. <laughs> but like, I, I do kind of like, I like that, I like that they went that far with it. They, they just didn't make him speak English. That they actually made him speak a different language. And now, 
they speak English for the rest of the movie. Mm. Is that or is that going along? Is that our like hunt for Red October approach? Is that our whole like? I, I did I miss it? Did no, we do I, like a translation bit. The or? Atlanteans being centuries old could build off their core language to speak English to them. Okay, that's that was Got it. that was my understanding of their very brief explanation of how it how they transition from one language to another to and because Milo even says like they have a core language. That's how we can communicate. So they're, they're, the Atlanteans are intelligent enough to speak the dumbed-down English, English I guess. version. <laughs> and that, and that, that, okay, that'll make more sense. Because it was something that I hadn't realized until probably like maybe 15 minutes left in the movie when I'm like, oh, wait a minute. They're, they were all speaking English all of a sudden. Like, and I, and I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't think I missed something. No, no. But at the same time, I'm like, well, maybe there was a camera move that I completely overlooked and we did the whole like pan behind, switch our 180, and now we're speaking English, but we're supposed to assume we're all, <laughs> they're all speaking Atlantean. Nope, they were speaking English. So they, they delved into quite a bit of Atlantean mythology. Atlantis is this mythological continent. Uh, Plato himself has one remark about it. It's the quote at the very beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. That's an actual quote from Plato <clears throat> that Atlantis was struck and sunk into the, into the water. Um, but something that they did, another stylistic thing, sorry to go back to that, because, <clears throat> we, well, we're in Atlantis now. Yeah, we're in Atlantis. All other versions of Atlantis have always felt very Greek. Right. And this one, they went out of their way to create this very worldly look to the place. I love that the people have this this stark white hair and very tan skin, uh, that their language is a blend, that all the, the, the look of Atlantis isn't just grease underwater. Right. Like, I like that. I thought that was a really neat choice. I liked the fact that it went along the lines of, like, the, the, the theories that Atlantic or Atlantia, uh, Atlantis always had like future tech and all that stuff. So I, I like the idea that there's basically robots mm-hmm. and flying ships, and like that was like, oh, okay, so you're you're combining this real old world culture again. That's not Greek culture. Right. That kind of was like a little bit of like Aztec and a little bit of like I don't know. It, it felt maybe like a little bit of of uh, the Middle East and a little bit of like. Maybe Italian. Like I don't know. I don't even know what you would combine it for. But yeah, mm-hmm. definitely with not Greek. But I like I liked that hybrid. I liked that combination of the two different. Yeah, because it felt very old world, old world, and also very futuristic. In 1914. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, is the only Disney movie to ever give us an exact year. Really. Stated in the film, everything is always kind of just ambiguous. Ambiguous, oh, like well, there's nice. cars, but they're not old cars. The fact that there is a 1914 date <laughs> tells us exactly when this movie takes place. It's the only Disney animation film that we've had that does that. That states so really to build your timeline of all the Disney films. <laughs> we. Go off of Atlantis and then build our way out from there. Okay. <laughs> okay. So challenge accepted. That'll be our final episode. Oh, okay. Starting <laughs> over, everybody. Then we're going to watch these in chronological order. Yes. Not release order. Not release order. <laughs> and keep in mind, some episodes, the movies might be cut in half. Because <laughs> like, the beginning takes place a different timeline than the ending does. So what... You know, we've talked so much about style. We've talked... It's let's, let's just get into, like, did you like this? Like, what did you... What struck you on this as as a first time viewer because I've certainly shared quite a bit of how I felt um, about the film in general right but the story my, they they are in search of this lost empire led by Milo and the book he got from his grandfather they get there 
there's the turn that it's really about the power source. Right. We're there to get the weapon. We're there to get whatever these people have, strip them of it, get the unobtainium. Yeah, get I was going to say, oh, should, this sounds very familiar Stephen from Stephen Lang somewhere. play Rourke because they have like the buff military <laughs> white hair dude? <laughs> it was voiced by James Garner, but I think he would have played it in the live action version of this. That is just Avatar. Keep going. That's not Avatar. That is not fair to this film to be right. compared to Avatar. <laughs> well, oh, my goodness. Th- there's... This is sort of colonialism. Yeah. Uh, maybe not exactly colonialism in that they're... No, no, it's not. It'd be more capitalism because colonialism would be more about, like, taking the land. Right. They're trying to capitalize on what the people have. On what they Strip, have. Stripping the people of... Right. Stripping the Atlanteans of their ability. I guess it's sort of colonialism. But it's this... It's not the, as colonialism as, like, Avatar is. Right, Or yeah. as some of that is. Uh, Fern Gully or... Yeah. Dances with Wolves. Or Pocahontas. <laughs> Actually, similar to Pocahontas, they just want the gold, right? Right. He wants the power source. They're going to make money off of it. They're going to... He doesn't care that's going to kill all the people yeah. if he takes it. And it's it's really... The bad guys are in the pursuit of wealth. The good guys are in pursuit of knowledge. Right. That is... Well, that's another Star Trek kind of connection now that I think about it. <laughs> that's pretty standard villainy. His villainy is greed. Rourke is... Greedy. That's mm-hmm. it, and that's his certainly his downfall. Um, literally, <laughs> literally. <laughs> well, well, until he gets well, disintegrated. We'll, t- we'll talk about the climax in a moment. But um, following Milo's adventure, I'm sorry. Like I keep asking you to answer a question, and I'm then I keep no, talking. No, keep going. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, for those of you who who listen to the show, you know well that I just I sit quietly after a while because I just sit and listen to TC talk. <laughs> As, that's what it is. I like, just like okay, just keep going. I'm, yeah, I'm okay. I. I TC is saying all the good things. I just come back and go, yep, what he said, <laughs> you said it good. Okay, next question. And what, moving on. Well, let's talk about Kida. She's she's the princess of Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Never been crowned a queen or an official Disney princess. Right. Even though she's actual royalty. It's, yeah. That's the princess second. Princess and then what? A queen? Yeah, Does she, she not becomes, become queen? She becomes the queen of, right. of Atlantis. Yeah. Um, what a, I, like a neat character. Very provocatively drawn. She's quite... I mean, I like when they go swimming and he, he like, takes off her, like, lower... He's like, oh, Akita, what are you doing? <laughs> in, 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 the, in, the, in the classic Michael J. Fox voice-cracking um, dish. Um, <laughs> hey. Uh, yeah. That was pretty good. <laughs> so bad. Um, yeah, her character was, was interesting because I never knew... I didn't know where the movie was ever going. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know if the the power source that was happening, you know, like the whole thing at the beginning was going to come back, which obviously it did. And then when, when she gets absorbed absorbed into it, it, I was like, Oh crap, what the hell is going to happen now? Like I didn't know she was going to become a villain like at that point or what they were going to do. That reinforces the, uh, pursuit of power and wealth versus pursuit of knowledge because the reason Atlantis ever went down is because Leonard Nimoy tried to utilize the power source and it corrupted or whatever and that's what exploded. Right. Um, it was too powerful for them to be able to handle yeah. or some comment like that. And then she... The power source is the MacGuffin and Kita becomes the MacGuffin. Yeah. For in terms of uh, filmmaking, MacGuffin is the object that is the... That causes all the action to, to occur, right? But it, it's but the, the but the thing, but it itself is not really important, right? It it's could, just what drives all the other characters to further the plot of the film, right? And the the Maltese Falcon 
is considered the, is the MacGuffin because from the movie The Maltese Falcon yeah. because it's like it's the item everybody wants but nobody wants it the the the, the briefcase from uh, 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 Pulp Fiction Pulp Fiction yes yeah. we don't know what's in it doesn't, doesn't matter, matter. Everyone it's wants just it. what everybody wants <laughs> it's that item and, and Kita devolves into that she's she is a character she has agency in that she that the king forbade reading Mm-hmm. So when she finds out Milo can read, she's like, tell me what this says. And he's like, oh, well, the power sources. <laughs> That's pretty good, too, you know. Come on, come on. Lost it at the end there. Um, <laughs> I, I like that she has this, she wants to know, she wants to know more. She has the pursuit of knowledge. Right. And then uh, they take it too far. She, The turn happens where everyone's a bad guy. We're just here for the money. And then <laughs> there's a little bit of Al Pacino. A little bit of Al Pacino. <laughs> we are. <laughs> We're all here just for the money. <laughs> um, Ooh, Atlantis Hotel. <laughs> Buy me. My Al Pacino always becomes Scarface. That's what my Al Pacino is. It just it happens that way. <laughs> um, <Ooh-ah. laughs> no character truly is memorable in this movie. No. For how big the cast is, for how neat they look. Because you get, I mean, even with like, even with... Yeah, even with who does the voices of the cast, mm-hmm. nobody stood out. That's a shame. It's a shame because there's so much potential here, and I don't. And I don't think this is a bad movie. No, it's a very, it's an enjoyable film. There's enough in it to to maintain engagement in it, and it's it's fun. It's a, it's a good adventure. And again, now that I know that it was meant to kind of was was meant to pay homage to adventure films or adventure serials or Indiana Jones and that type of movie. Now that I know that I do legitimately want to go back in the near future. Not right now. We're doing a podcast. Right. Uh, but like, <laughs> Jeff, I come do, back. Come back. They're like, guys, hold on. We're just going to watch the movie. And all you guys do is just hear the movie playing in the, in the distance for the next hour and 35 minutes. Every now and then like, Hey, you want some water? Um, <laughs> but no, like the, uh, the, I, I, it does make me want to rewatch it mm-hmm. with that knowledge, with that framework in my head, mm-hmm. because I, I really do believe that would give me a different opinion on the film. Right. Now when it's coming to when it comes to our ranking of where this movie is on on our list and stuff, obviously right now <laughs> uh, we all know where this is going to be it's guys. It's the only option. It's the only option we have. But I'm personally curious to see for me, just just for me, I I'm also curious to see for you, but at least for me, I want to know where it stays on the next 10 films. Yeah. I know we're hitting a lot of weird movies coming up and I the list is going to be really goofy, but I want to see if it does stick around, like if, if by the end we're di- by the time we're done with this these next ten, I'm like, oh, you know what? That was a really good movie. Actually, now that I'm overall. thinking about now it, now that yeah. I'm thinking about it, it was this, this, and this, and it was good. But the as much I've obviously we've been sitting here talking about a lot of the finer points of the style and the risks that they took in making this. I great score. Oh yeah, who is it? It's was James Newton Howard. James Newton Howard. Yeah, I was just saying. Great score. It felt like it, yep. it again because it felt like they were just they were making an uh, like a PG thirteen. I could picture this as being a PG thirteen action film mm-hmm. that just happened to be animated. Yeah. Now I know yeah. it's not PG thirteen. I think this is only PG. It's it is. It's the first PG since Black Cauldron. Like I Black believe. Cauldron. Now everything we've said so far, I honestly think. This might be one of the coolest climaxes we've seen <laughs> because this that battle sequence is really well done. Yep. It 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 loses a little bit in the spatial like knowing where everything is on the board. Right. But when they root it back to these the the balloon rising which right. has Kita in the box, right? When it roots it back to that and reestablishes the space, 
then you can reorient yourself. Um, but that is a really neat climax. The the firefight between the faceless goons that working for Rourke versus right. the Atlanteans on their laser ships. Yep. Uh, and, and then then just the 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 twist portion even of the ending where Rourke throws he's like, we lose some, we're we're losing altitude we need to lose some weight and Helga's like oh we need to lose a little bit that's all oh, sorry just, my dear and he just shoves her off and I went holy cow <laughs> he throws her off straight up murders her and then but she's but then she survives, she's, she survives <laughs> just long enough to what shoot the, the flare and shoot the flare personal bang yeah. and I'm like okay alright alright that's cool like j- live just long enough to like get your revenge on the dude and then that helps start the, the the whole final descent. Now, what happens to Rourke? So Does yeah, he, he gets crystallized, right? You know? He gets crystallized because he the he goes after Milo with the fire with axe, the fire with axe. the crazy look in his eyes. <laughs> he looked just like this. I like to picture that Rourke is the uh, uncle of Cloverleaf from okay. uh, from, from Roger Rabbit. From Roger Rabbit. Roger Rabbit takes place in the 30s. This is 1940s. So, uncle, older uncle. Right. Well, watch older uncle. Uh, the, It'll be dad. That, <gasps> it's his dad. What if it's his dad? <laughs> They're all about power. The sorry. <laughs> that battle sequence going around while Milo goes head to head against Rourke, and Milo's just dodging, and he's, uh, but he then he cracks open Kita's case. She mm-hmm. crystallizes him. We have a you think he's dead, but he not isn't moment where right. he comes back, and then the flare goes off, and he gets chopped. To bits by the propeller. What the heck, man? That was... I think that's our first hero death via propeller, actually. Man. Though I'm not going to lie. They were in a balloon, TC. I was very close to writing villain false to death death, for my trope, but then Helga fell. And I went, oh, well, okay, so... A villain, I guess. Uh, hench, or like sidekick (laughs) falls to death. And then... Realized like she was still alive, so technically did not die yet. Yeah, so yeah. really, that did not that did not, <laughs> that didn't get written down. But yeah, that death is insane. It's not just. It's like they took they took what could have been three or four different deaths mm. from or like from, they could have they took a death from three or four different movies and just made all of them happen. Okay, he's gonna get crystallized. And chapped to and death. And chapped to death. And then his bits will fall to the ground. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's all of them. Is everybody okay with this? I think everyone's okay with this, because we are. I Joss. Definitely, uh, <clears throat> definitely deserved it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, at that point, I'm just like, yeah, yeah, okay. He, just, <laughs> he makes a quote. It's, uh, it's, if, you, if you are aware of the quote, you might not know who it's associated with, but when he tricks Milo and punches him and leaves him there, he says, suckers, uh, or, uh, Barnum was right. He says, yes. he says, Barnum was right. That's all he says. And the P.T. Barnum quote is, a sucker is born every minute. And Rourke suckered Milo into leading him to the power source. A very educated quote. It's a very cool quote. Like, that's a quote, like, you need to know other things in order for that to make sense. And the fact that it came out of the villain's mouth, because make no mistake, P.T. Barnum was a villain. <laughs> Do not be fooled by whatever despite, movie you may see. Despite Hugh Jackman. Uh, <laughs> Hugh Jackman? A, a national treasure, an international treasure, because <laughs> he's Australian. Yes, um, but P.T. Barnum himself, an American treasure of a holery. Of course, of course he is. <laughs> I would expect nothing less from us. Yeah, um, but I th- that was a really uh, eloquent reference to like, Barnum was right. Like that's 
I heard that. And I'm like, oh, I know. I know what he means. I by know that, that reference. <laughs> I heard the quote, and I like I knew what he was referencing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I, I liked that. I liked that. That was that's that's an extra step, and like that's definitely a line that it's it's funny because whenever Joss Whedon writes a script, because I'm 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 I'm. I'll be okay. I happily will say that I do this. Whenever he writes a script or he's part of the, he's one of the co-writers, I will always watch the movie going, what did Joss Whedon do here? Where are the Whedonisms? Where's the Whedonisms? Because well, I know, I, I mean, I've watched all of Buffy. I know he didn't write all the episodes. I've watched all of Angel. I've mm-hmm. seen, obviously, I've seen Firefly. I've wa- Obviously, I've watched the Avengers and watching Batman v Superman, or uh, sorry, um, <laughs> Justice League. <laughs> uh, Justice League, and you're watching that, and you're like, that's a Justice. That's, 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 that's a Whedon. That's well, Whedon. The thing is, though, Whedon says, there, quote, there's not a shred of me in this movie. And that he's still just credited anyways. Yeah, but from mm. a story point, the making, building the team, like that's so, there's Joss Whedon-ism, right. Whedon-isms in here. Maybe it's not his exact line. Right, yeah. And that's, Humble of him to say, like, no, no, don't give me credit. Yeah. <laughs> AKA didn't do well. I don't want to be credited. Thank you. It didn't do well. And, <laughs> and that's unfortunate because it was one, uh, I said this earlier in the cast, these risks, when they don't pay off, affects what comes next. Right. And um, eh, it, it, it might be the movie's fault. It might just be the audience changing and having other options to films. Um, but uh, yeah, there's, there's certainly some Whedon isms in this movie. He he reuses a lot of stuff, right? Like he he borrows from. It's like he's cheating on his movies, yeah. like he did with his wife. <gasps> oh, that was a weed and burn. That was a weed and burn. That was <laughs> a burn in the weed. Mm-hmm. Damn. No, no, that doesn't work as well. Weed and burn yeah. was better. Of all the movies we watched so far. <laughs> oh well, I'm putting this at a negative six. That's not fair. Uh, <laughs> no, of all the movies that we've watched so far, obviously the guys uh, for our, our guys and gals. I always want to. I always want to clarify that. I apologize. I'm from Wisconsin. Everyone's guys. Everyone's guys. Hey guys. We mean nothing. This means nothing. It's not. It's not negative or anything. It's no. just everyone's guys. Yeah. Like that's what we do. Go that's, a little bit north, and it's use guys. It's use guys. <laughs> and then you go further north, and it just becomes use guys. And it just and then it just becomes geese when you're when you hit yeah which is kind of true anyways the uh so yeah we we obviously we as we discussed prior this is the only one on our new list of five so i'm pretty positive tc it's going to be number one list on of yours. 10 but yes it's uh, sorry cur- list of 10 currently number one <sighs> on, on the list here i am curious to see where this ends up in the grand mm-hmm. grand scheme with the previous tens that we've done i could take a glance at it and figure out where things are going to go yeah but this one i'm not so sure nope uh obviously you can look ahead if you want and i I'm certainly no spoilers about what we're going to have in the future but there is such a, a wide d- difference in some of the films in this 10 that um especially because i know you haven't seen several of yeah them there's several of these that i have not i've never seen actually almost the majority of this 10 that's exciting. I have not seen before. There's, there's definitely um, just off the top of my head looking at because I'm gonna, I'm cheating because it's our podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, you do what you I, want, man. I see, I see, I see four movies of the top of the ten that you have including not seen. this one. Oh, you've that seen I, four. I've seen four. Okay. There's six of these movies that I, including this one, that I have not seen. Well, um, let's. Uh, I'm. I'm as anytime we watch one you haven't seen before, I'm always yes. interested to see what your reaction is because you're seeing it with a new perspective and fresh eyes. I'm I'm returning to it, right? True. So I have preconceived notions. Um, but if you listening have anything to say about the yep. episode, you can always comment wherever you're. If you're listening to this episode now and you want to comment, you can hit us up 
on Twitter. I'm at TC's Big Head. Jeff is at Random Bell. Yo, yo. You can also hit facebook.com slash top shelf pod. Uh, every week before we record, we throw up the episode we're going to talk about. And if any of you have any comments, we like to hit them up. Uh, we do have a couple comments for this. Um, Natasha says, I always wondered why Kida wasn't considered a Disney princess. She meets the requirements. Is it because she becomes a queen at the end of the film? Also, girls in this movie kick butt, and it's amazing. I want to hit that second point. Hell yeah. Yes. Like, Helga, um, the mechanic girl who's a you know two for flinching, um, Kida herself, like, all the, all the females in this movie kick ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Almost... Almost more than the, the men the men do yeah. in the movie, I mean, which is the awesome. That is the muscle. Like, awesome. Uh, um, watching it this time, it, I never would have crossed my mind before. We'd seen it the first time she shows up. I and I guess this is more if you know me situation. I was like, Candace could play her. <laughs> like she's got that tough quality to her. Um, I could see that. But uh, <laughs> Natasha asked, "Why isn't she considered a Disney princess?" I might have said this on a previous episode. Um, but there are four requirements. Yep. Um, yep. So, as, as, so to, to Natasha, to answer your question, the four requirements to be an official Disney princess uh, coronated at the parks. Yep. You have to be um, introduced in a feature. So not any of the side characters from the stupid straight-to-DVD sequels. It all uh, makes sense, you, GC. You have to be human or human-like for the case of Ariel, mm-hmm. which is a shame because Nala could be a princess, right? Yeah. Um, you have to be. You have to do something heroic. All right. So so far she meets those three requirements. Yeah. There's the fancy little fourth requirement that I found out about recently that <laughs> yep. I didn't realize was a requirement. You have. You cannot have been in a flop. Yep. You have to have been in a successful, in a successful film. film. And unfortunately, Atlantis was a very lackluster box office. Uh, so that is why she's not considered. That's why she's out there with Elohim, whatever, Black Cauldron. Girl from Black Cauldron. <laughs> that blonde lady <laughs> character. It's just weird. Um, but it is a shame. There's, I know there's a, a sequel to this one. Um, it's on Netflix. I even considered watching it's milo's return is what atlantis milo's return um just to see if they did anything more with kita because i do i think she's a neat character who loses all who just becomes the object everyone's chasing by the end of it oh speaking of object no kiss in this they hug they do just hug don't they yeah like there's no uh they don't get married they don't kiss. They just, uh, it's a it's an endearing hug. <laughs> I was going to say, it's almost like a friendship hug. It's like, oh, great. You sacrifice yourself for my life and my citizen and my All culture. It is a friendship And hug. handshake. <laughs> what is that? I don't want that. Uh, Thomas says, say what you will about this movie, but I find something exciting about borrowing the, okay, borrowing the animation style of Mike Magnolia for Disney, if just because it means that someone, I said practically the same thing, someone there. Well, why don't read, you and Thomas go do the podcast <laughs> then? If you guys are so good. Somebody read Hellboy. <laughs> I personally feel Disney would have done well to branch out with Disney, different animation styles like this. Yes, it's something that I will credit Atlantis for, for having a very unique look about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he does have a question for us, though. Um, and he said we could save us for later, but I'm asking you on the spot, Jeff. Ooh, ooh. What other distinctive animators would you like to see Disney base a movie around? I will say this while you're thinking. <laughs> Calvin Jeff, and Hobbes. Ke- <laughs> 100%. <laughs> hell yeah, Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, man. I, for one, I... If I were to criticize the more recent Disney movies, and we may, I may come back to this when we get to them, 
the look of Elsa and Rapunzel and even the characters in Moana, they all look the same. In fact, they look like the humanoids from Pixar as well. And it's this it's a very similar look. And right. because of that, it's it's something that causes the movies not to be so distinctive from each other. I know this isn't answering your question because you said pick an animator, but I'm <laughs> I'm harping on the fact that I wish they did take more risks like mimicking Mike Mignola's style. Mm-hmm. That's it, it's what makes Atlantis looks look so unique. Instead of instead of mimicking a genre, which you could still do with a story, that's fine in the filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Go after a, go after an artist as well. Find a uniquely yeah. Just uh, if you go after Gronk, no purple, no purple. No oh purple. my goodness! Can you guys imagine that? <laughs> Hashtag callback. Hashtag <laughs> callback to episode five, episode yeah. ago, something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah weird. <laughs> Uh, why it says I don't know if I want to save this question for Treasure Planet. That was more Homer than anything. Keep going, please keep going. <laughs> but I'll get it out of the way now. Uh, okay, so I'll read the question. Okay. It may be worth keeping until Treasure Planet. So why, if we can't answer it now, ask it again <laughs> in a couple of movies. Uh, Disney, for the most of the 2000s, went out of their way to create and release films that were out of their comfort zone. Okay, this is kind of where we've already been talking. Whether they be space movies, action movies, or movies with Roseanne Barr as a cow. Aside from awesome, uh, the awesomeness of competition from Pixar and DreamWorks, awesomeness of DreamWorks. Uh, <laughs> Katzenberg, people. I got a chip on my shoulder. <laughs> as well as those pesky marketing executives, what other factors do you two feel caused this shift in Disney's, uh, I would say, weakest point where they tried to steer clear of their identity and ended up having to find themselves again? Why? Okay, so why did they, why did they go towards this experimentation? And I think it plays into what the directors could see, that people were kind of done with 2D animation. Right. With, with Disney's heyday, it was done. Yeah. I know we're only in the year 2001, and you look at the peak, Lion King would be their financial peak. Right. At least at this point, we're going to hit another financial we'll peak. We'll hit another financial peak pretty dang soon, or not, yeah, a little ways down the road here. But the audiences weren't coming anymore, and... and you can do one of two things when something like that happens as far as a, a movie company is concerned. Stop making movies. Right. Not an option, really. No. Or try to find what the new voice is. Disney had been a forerunner for decades, and now they were reaching a point where they were playing catch-up. Um, Again, to one of their own companies. To one of their own companies. <laughs> and and it's, it's worth reminding people that Pixar and Disney did not... True, they were not the same animation studio. No. Pixar was its own thing, distributed by Disney. Right. Yes, Disney owned them, but that the animation teams were completely separate until Lasseter crossed over. Yep. And when we get to that crossover, there is an instantaneous shift yep. in the the Disney quality yep. that we will see. So they they moved away from it because what they were doing just wasn't doing it anymore. And it's 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 you know and I, I like that I th- I think we briefly have have brought it up and have talked about how, you know, like this, these 10 films are, and like you were saying, these 10 films can be best summarized. This new 10, sorry, this new 10 is Disney trying to figure out what are we going to do now? Who are we Let's, now? Yeah, yeah, let's try stuff. Let's, let's make an action film. Let's keep trying to make CG. Let's, or sorry, uh, 2D animated. Let's keep trying to do this. Let's try to do it about this character and this character and this character. Crap, no, this is working. Okay, <laughs> We need to make another CG film. Let's not make it like dinosaurs. Can we make it all CG this time instead of partially well, CG? It, it'll take them a decade, and we'll see it in this 10. Yep. It's going to take them almost a decade to to rediscover themselves. And it's 
maybe this is uh, this is great because this is the first episode. This ten, and we'll come back to it when we wrap this ten up. Right. In where did they fail? Where did they succeed in trying to rediscover themselves? And they certainly did because uh, what Disney is known for up to this point is Little Mermaid, Aladdin, yeah. Beauty and the Beast, Lion King. Films that have come out at this point, even in this point in it, like the earliest one over a decade ago. Yeah. And and that that was the standard until the new era that we're in now, which is a new standard. Yep. Um, it took 20 years for them to basic, more or less, get it back. Took to get back where they, like, get back into, oh, this is what works. Mm-hmm. People are happy. They're coming to our movies. We're making money again. It's sad that it took, well, it took, I guess I deal with The Lion King, it took 15 years. But still, that's a long time mm-hmm. for a studio to be just throwing hundreds of millions of dollars at, <laughs> at films going, does this work? One of these darts is going to stick to this right? wall. Right? <laughs> uh, so, kind of to wrap up, to surmise here, to, I was pleasantly surprised how much more I enjoyed Atlantis this time than I did the first time. Okay. I do see its faults. I do see its problems, which yeah. we obviously discussed at length here. But I was impressed by this risk. It didn't dawn on me the first time. And, and it's helped watching the movies in order as we have mm-hmm. that I... I respect them for taking this chance, and it's a shame that it failed. So this leads me to wonder, am I going to feel that way again as we get through this next set? The nine that follow here, I'm wondering if my my appreciation of their risks is going to be taken into account when I think about and watch the movies we're going to, right. to watch. I don't know. That could be. Yeah. That could be. I mean, like I said, it, it's, it's going to be funny. This is going to be good because you're going to be looking at these next ten Differently, because you've seen them. Right. I mean, again, I've seen a couple of them, but you've seen them, so it's you going into them going, I'm rewatching this, trying to figure out, does this work better this time? Yeah. I'm watching it going, is this is this a movie? What are they doing? What's happening? <laughs> I don't understand, and I'm just going to become the troll. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've, I've, one of our listeners tweeted at me, it's a question I don't... I, he's asked me which movie I'm least looking forward to watching. Mm-hmm. We haven't gotten there yet. <laughs> but... In this, like when we hit Oliver and Company, I was like, that's the one. But then we got past Oliver and Company, then we hit Dinosaur. I'm like, no, that's the one I was least looking forward to. <laughs> so we have another one coming up that I'm like, no, that's the one I'm least looking forward to. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm in my head. I'm trying to think of baseball and how would I know. But you? now I'm not so much afraid to get to it. I'm actually more anxious to get to it because I'm going to be watching it with the, the idea of like, okay, they're taking some risks here. What works, what doesn't. And you know what? That frame of mind, much like. Again, for the third time in this episode, me saying, like, going back and watching this with the frame of mind of, oh, this is an adventure film. Going into this these, this 10, for me, with that same mentality, mm-hmm. might be helpful as well, because I might be able to look past, a, like, some, some of, of the shortcomings, shortcomings and be like, oh, but, I, okay, this is why... This is what they were trying to do. They didn't quite get it, but this is what they wanted to do out yeah. of it. Okay, that makes sense, and I'm willing to forgive it a little bit more. Yeah, that's curious too. I, I, I'm I'm going to keep that in the back of my mind mm-hmm. while I watch these movies and go, what what the crap's <laughs> happening? Well, what, what is this? What uh, what do we have next on well, the on the docket? So next is one of the movies that I have seen because mm-hmm. I saw it in college. Um, animation school. That's what happens. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is the 2002 one of two. 2002 movies that we have. Doing uh, it again, Disney. Disney again. Only two. Uh, and then we go back into once a year for the, yeah, the remainder of this list. Uh, but uh, 2002's Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Stitch. Oh, hello. I've only seen it once. I am okay. excited to see it uh, again. 
I'm I'm looking forward to talking about this one. I, I am too. Obviously, I have, a, I have another cheat on this one, but we <laughs> we will discuss that next week. So keep an eye out on the Facebook page mm-hmm. uh, for our post for Lilo and Stitch. If you have any thoughts you'd like to discuss, good comments this week. Yeah. And you guys, I really appreciate the conversations. And Thomas and I had a really nice conversation <laughs> wrapping up our last 10. I love engaging with you guys. Even some of the private messages I've been getting on Twitter, mm-hmm. which don't lend themselves necessarily to questions on the show. Right. Um, but good questions this week. I know. Lots of good questions, especially since we uh, we delayed our recording to... this. By the way, this episode, we're recording this in less than 12 hours before it goes live. It's going to go live, yeah. So this is like a very fast short, very fast turnaround time for us. Uh, but, behind, peek behind the curtain over here. Yeah. Totally didn't just uh, timestamp when mm-hmm. this episode takes place. Mm-hmm. And uh, the fact that... Oh, look at that. It is 6.22 in the morning, <laughs> and we it. have to go now, TC. Okay, post it. Uh, this is all live. We're just live streaming the entire episode. <laughs> For everybody individually, mm-hmm. no, uh, uh, even yeah, even more appreciation that you know, even though we delayed it an extra day, that there was still a lot of good comments, a lot of good questions, a lot of good interaction with you guys. Yeah. I do chime in from time to like, rarely, but I will try to chime in under my own uh, my own profiles just so you guys know it's me and it's not TC. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's I think that wraps up for Atlantis. I'm, awesome. I am curious to hear what people have to say about some of the things we discussed here. So. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Oh, one last thing, TC. Mm-hmm. There was a trope. Oh, there was. Oh, what was it? Perpetually barefoot protagonist. <laughs> was it Kita? It was Kita. Oh, okay. <laughs> she never wore shoes. Well, <laughs> no, there's two tropes. Orphan protagonist. Oh, yes, orphan protagonist. Both of them. Like, her mother was gone. Mm, I forgot And Milo's, one, both of Milo's parents were gone. I completely forgot about go. that. That's a well, good thing I'm here. <laughs> see, that is why TC's here, to finish even my sections. Well, uh, <laughs> we we might get to record in the same room again next week. So oh, we'll have to we'll, we'll, well, we'll have to see what happens. We'll have a, a little less conversation. And a lot more action, please? Maybe. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, this was a podcast. Yes. We were the people that you were listening to. And uh, this is a sign-off. <laughs> I'm going to go read ancient languages. Mm-hmm. Left to right. Left to right. And then right to and left. And then right to left. And, left to right. and then, right to right. like, I want to be a waving, flowing wave. Do you know how to read upside down? No. You just stand on your head. Oh. This has been a production of Ghost Hat Media, proud member of the Ghost Hat Network. Find them online at www.ghosthat.net. <laughs> I like the ending.